In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those whom God's favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told him about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary, the mother of Jesus, treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Traditionally on this night, we say this is the word of God for the people of God, and you all say thanks be to God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks. That first Christmas, that first Christmas was full of chaos, confusion, complexity, and discomfort. Now, I know none of you have had a chaotic time getting here tonight, right? There has been no confusion over Christmas plans this year. Everything is simple. There is no complexity in family dynamics right now, right? And everyone is super comfortable in your Christmas outfits tonight, right? No one could imagine what they were feeling on that first Christmas. Chaos and confusion complexity and discomfort. I just couldn't figure out how to make another C work. Sorry about that. Uh, but on that night, on that very first Christmas, there was so much chaos. I mean, think about it. Mary and Joseph were engaged to be married. They weren't yet married, and Mary is pregnant. This is like punishable by death for this to happen. Okay, it is chaotic and crazy. Joseph is like doing the math and he's like, this isn't adding up, Mary. So he has this idea, I'm just going to get rid of you once and for all and move on with my life. And an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream and says, don't do that. 
don't do that, and name this baby Jesus. And so Mary and Joseph get married quietly and they go about their life in this town of Nazareth trying to to hide this little secret or they don't really know what to do. But the women, Luke doesn't tell us this in this gospel, but you know what's happening as Mary walks to the market to pick up some produce. You know what's happening when she goes to the well. People are whispering behind her back about what's happening. Y'all know what happens when Joseph finishes his workout at the gym and leaves the locker room. The guys are talking about what a weak and terrible guy he is for staying with Mary when this is making absolutely no sense. Chaos and confusion, complexity and discomfort. Imagine what it feels like to be Mary and Joseph walking home every day underneath the whispers and the stares of the people around them. Anybody here know what that feels like? Anybody know what the chaos of loneliness feels like? Then, to make things even more complex, they're living their lives, they've just been married, and all of a sudden this young teenage guy from Caesar Augustus's government shows up in the middle of the street and he says, Attention! Everybody listen, you got to go back to the town where your lineage, lineage, sorry about that, their lineage is from. So there's 12 different choices because there's 12 tribes of Israel. And Joseph and Mary have to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem. So I Google mapped this this morning, and in a car it would take you two hours to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. If you were walking, it would take over a day. She's eight and a half months pregnant. She's got to pack up what few things they can make for this trip, and they have to go. There's no choice. They have to go to Bethlehem, to the town where where Joseph's lineage is from, and they have to be counted there. Can you imagine the chaotic and confusing, complex and uncomfortable journey that probably was for them? And I couldn't help but think. When I Google mapped from Nazareth to Bethlehem this morning, and in real time it came up, I couldn't help but think about the chaotic and complex, the confusing and painful journey it would be 2,023 years later if we made that journey this morning. Chaos and confusion, complexity and discomfort, it's all around us. Mary and Joseph arrive to Bethlehem to be counted in a census And she is like, Joseph, it's time. There's no extra room for them because everybody else in in David's lineage has come into Bethlehem, right? So there's nowhere for them to stay or crash their head. So Joseph probably, right, we don't hear about an innkeeper saying there's no more room here. Let me get you set up in my barn. What probably happens is Joseph snuck in the back door of a barn and found a place for his wife to have a baby. Chaos and confusion, complexity and discomfort, right? Can you imagine what happens now? They finally are here and things are chaotic and and crazy. They have to be confused like, what are we going to do about this little baby? Is it going to be counted against us in taxes? Are we going to pay more money? Mary's a first-time mom in a stable. Like, what is going to happen? Chaos and confusion, complexity and discomfort. And then... On top of all of this, 
As the light of the world, Jesus is born in the midst of chaos and confusion and complexity and discomfort. There are some shepherds who are asleep in their fields. Their only job is to wrestle bears and wolves that come after their sheep, right? And so they're in their field, minding their own business, finally getting a night's sleep after all these people have scared their sheep because they're running all over the countryside because Caesar Augustus has told them they have to be counted in the taxes. And they finally are getting a good night's sleep and boom, right in their face shines a light. And they say, we are bringing you good news. And they're like, it's about time. We are burly, rough guys out here living in the middle of nowhere. Life is not much fun out here. You've got good news for us. We live in the middle of confusion and chaos and complexity and discomfort every day. What's your good news? And they said, a baby, the king of the world, the Messiah, has been born and he's laying in a manger. He's been wrapped in whatever cloths they could find in the barn. And when you go there, let that be your sign. So they followed a light to this place and they found indeed a baby in a manger wrapped in cloths and they knew glory to God in the highest. In the midst of chaos and confusion and complexity and discomfort, the light of the world has come. Chaos and confusion, complexity and discomfort does not keep the light of the world from coming. God showed up Anyway, just like God had promised for thousands of years, for thousands and thousands of years. What does this story matter for us 2,023 years later? I'll tell you. I'll tell you what it means. Last week, there were seven teachers with 12 kids, seven staff members at our partner elementary school, Shermonte Elementary School. It's a Title I school. Seven of those teachers and staff members are single parents doing their very best to raise the kids that they have. And they didn't exactly have enough money to cover for their kids to have Christmas gifts this year. One of our guys finds out about it and he was like, Erica, what are we going to do about this chaos and confusion, this complex financial situation, this discomfort? What are we going to do about it? Is there chaos and complexity and confusion and discomfort in 2023? Oh, yes, there is. We got to praying with our, some of our leaders about what we might be able to do in, in this world, in Tampa, in this city in 2024. And we find out there are 13 women transitioning from prison, making incredible, transforming life decisions. They've encountered Jesus and they are changing their lives and they are running into roadblock after roadblock after roadblock as they try to get back on their feet after being released from prison. We find out there are 53 people currently right now on a list at Love, Inc. of Tampa downtown waiting for permanent housing and needing help and solutions in the midst of their chaos and complexity, in the midst of their confusion and discomfort. There are 12 kids at our partner school every Wednesday that sit under an oak tree at a picnic table and they share about the chaos and the confusion and the complexity and the discomfort of their lives with mentors from our church. Eleven people, eleven people this year have walked in the doors of Horizon Church broken and hurting. 
with lives that are chaotic, confusing. They don't know who they are or what their purpose is. Complexity, parenting situations, and caring for all kinds of things. There is so much complexity and pain and discomfort that is hard to describe. Eleven different people have walked in to our church like this. And you know what Jesus does? 2,023 years later, in the midst of chaos and confusion, in the midst of complexity and discomfort, do you know what Jesus does? He shows up and he lights it up. Just like those angels lit up the sky for the shepherds and said, Behold, there is good news for all the people. Horizon Church collected money and gift cards and 12 kids will experience the joy and light and hope of Christmas tomorrow morning because people sitting in the same seat you're sitting in decided to light it up. In the midst of chaos and complexity and confusion and discomfort, the light of the world still comes. Thirteen women tonight will gather around a table and have a Christmas Eve dinner and next year we get to help with it. In the middle of chaos and confusion and complexity and discomfort, there will be light and hope because Jesus still comes. For 53 people experiencing homelessness and longing for a permanent place to lay their head down every night that is safe and dry and cool, we will light it up. We will feed them and mentor them and teach them financial classes. We... We will proclaim this truth, that in the midst of chaos and confusion and complexity and discomfort, the light of the world, Jesus, is still coming. Eleven people, y'all, eleven people walked in this door broken and hurting. And you know what happened? They encountered the grace of God given to us through Jesus, and they gave their heart and their soul and their life to Jesus, who has lit their lives up. Poof! Their, their circumstances didn't change, but they can see their life with a new light, the light of hope, the light of peace. They feel love and joy. Jesus has lit their world up. The story of Christmas isn't some old story that's cute and fun to tell one night a year. It is a story of a God who sees your chaos, who sees your confusion about who you are and what it is your future looks like. It is about a God who sees the complexity that you live in and with every single day. It is a God who knows and understands your pain and who comes in the midst of it to light it up. It's called a gift, and it's called Christmas, and it's offered to every single one of us. So what do we do with it? I think we look at Mary, who was told you're going to be pregnant and you're going to have this, this baby who's the son of the world, this teenage girl who had, had no name and was not important and was at very best a second-class citizen back in the, in the day. She was living a chaotic life. She was confused about who she is or how God might be able to use her. It was complex, right? Like how does a woman stand up and lead in these days? It was uncomfortable. Some days it was downright uncomfortable. And you know what she says when God asks her, to make this step, she says, May my soul magnify the Lord. 
Yes, God. Yes, use me to bring your light into the world. You know what Joseph said? He said, the angel looks at Joseph and says, all you got to do is name the baby Jesus. And he's like, got it done. And you know what he does? He says, that baby's called Jesus. Let me be a part of lighting it up. You know what the shepherds did? They came and they fell down at a manger. These burly, tough guys fell down at a manger. And then they went and told everybody about what they had seen. God used burly shepherds in the fields to light it up. You know what God did with Chris Brewer who runs those slides every single week? He used him and a dream in his heart to light it up for 12 kids. Last week at Sheremonte Elementary School, the principal texted me and she said, I've never seen joy and hope and relief like I saw it today. We lit it up, y'all. Jesus comes still in the midst of chaos and confusion. Twelve kids sitting around picnic tables. Each one of them has a mentor because Data Glasser has decided to light it up. In retirement, God will still use her boldly in the midst of chaos and confusion and complexity and discomfort. She will offer light to kids who need it. People in this church this week faithfully said yes to funding our ministry partnerships because they want to be a part of offering hope and light to a world desperate for it. God's not asking you tonight to have a perfect faith. God's asking because Joseph's perfect faith, Mary's perfect faith didn't bring God to the world the exact way they wanted to. What their faith did was move them closer to the dream God had for the world anyway to offer us Jesus the light and hope of the world. And that, that is all God is asking from all of us tonight. It's not have faith to, to ask God to come down here and poof, make all of our circumstances better, but that in the midst of chaos and complexity and confusion and discomfort, may God use us to bring light into the world. When you light your candle tonight, it's not just about singing Silent Night beautifully. It is about claiming a faith where you will move from where you are to a place closer to the dream God has for it and that we leave this place ready to be lights for a world desperate, desperate for it. May you light your candle tonight and know this truth. There is hope and God wants to use you. Amen. Let us pray. God, I pray tonight for each person that is here. For those who brought their own level of chaos and confusion. Those dealing with complexity and discomfort. We pray for those all around the world who are dealing with these things too. We pray for those in our city, God. We pray for those who are sitting here tonight and who maybe have never said yes to you. We pray that tonight will be the night where their faith moves them closer, gives them the courage to take a step closer to a deeper relationship with you, one that will be used to light up this dark and desperate world. I thank you, God, for each person who's here tonight. And I pray that as their candles are lit, that they will take that light out into the world and they will light it up for you. Amen.